This episode of That's What G Said podcast is brought to you by Sarah Candle Company. You can visit their website, sarahcandles.com. That's C-E-R-A candles.com. And they have a really, really cool thing going on right now. They have the Valentine's Day box for just 20 bucks. You get to pick two of their three scents, Fresh Roses, Tuxedo, Date Night. You get two of those three in a, in a nice little Valentine's box. It is perfect for your significant other. You don't have to go spend thousands of dollars. You can make a nice gesture with a candle, a couple candles. It's perfect. Use the promo code G-I-N-O, and it gets you 10% off of your entire purchase there. Affordable, and these are all natural soy wax candles. They're free from toxins found in paraffin wax, so you can add a, act a little fancy saying, hey, these are all natural soy wax. And they don't use that paraffin wax that's used by all the other leading brands, and these ones actually hold your scent longer and burn up to 50% longer than traditional paraffin wax candles. SarahCandles.com, C-E-R-A Candles.com. I mean, a great little Valentine's gift for your significant other, and it's just 20 bucks. Take a look at that Valentine's Day box. On this episode of That's What G Said, we're going to have a couple interviews where we discuss the Super Bowl. So we have Scott Shapiro joining us and Paul Bovey joining us. We get breakdowns from them on the Super Bowl, talk some props with them, and then lots of horse racing at the end. There are big stakes races this weekend. We tackle uh, some racing from Gulfstream Park, a couple stakes from Oaklawn, a stake at Aqueduct, a stake at Santa Anita, and then full card analysis of Sam Houston. We basically tackle the entire card. I think there's one or two races we don't hit on. So sit back and enjoy this episode of That's What G Said. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said, bringing you in with the soothing sounds of Joey Cleveland with that great intro. We'll uh, got an action-packed show here, so just going to be very quick saying hello and letting you all know that we have a couple big interviews. First up, it's Scott Shapiro. Sit back and enjoy. We talk Super Bowl with our good friend, Scott Shapiro. It is that time, the big game. It all comes down to this. And I got to say, whether you're a fan of the 49ers or the Chiefs, when you're just, if you're just a fan of football overall, this is a really, really good game. And we have to join us to talk, preview the game, talk a little bit about, uh, about betting and Scott Shapiro, our friend. It's pretty amazing, Scott. We, we, uh, we've talked to you from Bet America and Twins Buyers a bunch this year. But as someone who's been a better for a long time, isn't it crazy how many different props and different things you can wager on on this game now versus just like 15, 20 years ago? It's really incredible. Yeah, it's nice that they uh, – good to join you again, by the way, Gino. And, uh, yeah, it's great that they've kind of opened up the uh, the gates, if you will, to uh, allow you to bet on just about anything. I'm sure people that are going to big parties and, you know, so are sitting around with a bunch of their friends are going to be able to really – Get get excitement for either yourself or your friends out of just about every play, every commercial, every movement uh, yeah. on Super Bowl Sunday. I had a good one a few years back when it was uh, Katy Perry 
And I was just like, I had studied her, um, some of her concerts and her shows leading up to it. Like I knew the the layout of all of her songs, what was going to come first. And so I always like having one or two that are just have nothing to do with the game or, or maybe the halftime show or the coin flip or something like that. Cause it's always, it's always fun to have, even if you, if your opinion's dead wrong on the game, uh, to have a little action somewhere else. And, and that's actually, what's kind of cool about this game in particular, Scott, because I mean, Based on the point spread, what do you, do you guys have it at like one over at Bet America right now? Yeah, it's been bouncing back between one and one and a half right now. It's plus one, but it's uh, or it's one, but the Canes with with added juice on the favorite kind of seems like it's teetering at that point. It'll probably stay at about that point. But this, it seems like we took a real big bet um, on the money line at plus one twenty, hundred thousand dollar bet a couple days ago. Um, I guess that was one of the highest uh, money line that uh, this professional gambler could find, and came to Bet America to do so. Uh, it's moved it moved us. I think we we're at one and a half at that point. So obviously, that liability kind of swung it towards the Chiefs for us. And that and that's what's kind of a positive about having a game like this be the Super Bowl, where it's not like a seven, eight, ten point spread. Because if you don't have an opinion on the game. You can find plenty of other things to play Like you put specific player props Over under totals MVP who's going to score first You can have like props that are tied To the Laker game on Saturday night Or to other basketball or hockey or college Basketball games on Sunday So that's that's what's cool if you're like Don't feel forced to pick A side in this game If you don't you know like a side I think so many of us it's the big game, it's the Super Bowl And we want to pick the winner, we want to pick the side But remember, there's a million different things you can bet And just, you, you don't have to force it One way or the other, if you don't have a real Strong opinion, because I don't really have As strong of opinion One way or the other, but from reading some of your stuff And listening to the uh, Who Do You Like podcast a little earlier on I could tell you are trending one way So let's kind of jump right into the game And w- what's fascinating Just about the the matchup from um, breaking this down as to like positives and, and strengths for one side and and the negatives and weaknesses for the other side. They it seems like it's just going to be a really interesting matchup as far as you know Kansas City's strengths versus San Francisco's weaknesses. San Francisco's weaknesses versus you know as San Francisco's strengths versus Kansas City's weaknesses. It, it, it's a really really fun game to break down. Yeah, and I think uh, you know I didn't when when the games ended two Sundays ago. I didn't think I would have a uh, extremely strong opinion on the game, but as it turns out, uh, I I kind of do. Uh, the more I looked at this game and the way I like to analyze football, I just really came to the conclusion that as good as Mahomes and the Chiefs' offense is, they just haven't really faced anybody like the Niners front four, especially in these last two games where we've been so wowed by Patrick Mahomes, and I'm sure he's going to get his. But the more you look over the pass defenses and most importantly, the pressure of the pass defenses, so pressure rate is a, is a key stat, it just seems like Mahomes is going to have, uh, with all, the Kansas City offensive line is going to have their hands full, and it might not allow Mahomes to look quite as good as he did in those games. The Titans' pressure rate was 25th in the uh, league uh, during the regular season, and the Texans was 31st, so not teams that get a lot of pressure on the quarterback, and we saw Mahomes kind of have his way in those games. On the other hand, the Niners, second in pressure rate and second in sack rate, and allowed a league low 169.2 yards a game through the air. So I think of all the teams that you could hope to see stop Mahomes or contain Mahomes, whatever verbiage you want to use, I think this is the team that has the best chance, especially now that they're healthy. Yeah, that that's a key point too, is that they 
Actually the 49ers They went through like the toughest part of their season When they were banged up And they weren't quite healthy And they still performed pretty admirable Against you know really good teams And I think it's it's really funny to, to look at these two teams And say you know they're both really good And they got here because they're good But they were both a little bit fortunate In the way things like uh, started to play out for them The last couple weeks If you you know we remember that Seattle had to not get in when they were on the one multiple times against San Francisco, or else San Francisco would have had to go on the road and play a road game on Wild Card Weekend. And the same, uh, similar for Kansas City, they needed the Patriots to lose to the Dolphins in order for them to get the bye. And, and then, not only that, both teams were pretty fortunate in just the results of the other games because I would say that San Francisco having to to not deal with Seattle. Or New Orleans, probably the two teams that would have been their toughest matchups, and Kansas City not having to deal with the Patriots or the Ravens, probably the two teams that would have been their toughest matchups. So you got to be good, but sometimes you got to be a little lucky too, you know, to get here. And uh, and both of these teams have been fortunate. So we talk about the the strengths for the 49ers and you know their run game is so good, Scott, and I, it's. What makes me nervous if if I were backing the Chiefs is that, you know, people are excited that the Chiefs run defense has improved towards the second half of the season. And, and it has. It's gone from like one of the worst in the league to like slightly, slightly below average or right. like right around average. So we're not talking about like they're great now. And even last week they stopped Henry. But Henry is a different animal than the forty than what the 49ers are gonna come at you with. Cause he's just gonna kinda kinda pound you right down the middle and, and just, hey, I'm coming at you. Can you tackle me? Yes or no. The 49ers, they're gonna do things a little bit differently with Shanahan and you know, the way they move, the pre-motion. They're gonna be having people all over the backfield, um, flying around, and they they just are really creative. That that's what scares me a little bit. And and you kind of mentioned it defensively. Offensively, I don't know if Kansas City is going to be ready to deal with this run game. Yeah, you made a real good point there about the differences between the two running games. Uh, Henry straight ahead running game, and you kind of know what you're going to get versus probably one of the one of the best play callers in the league, especially with his creativity in the running game. And you also mentioned the 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 fact that the Chiefs have gotten better. And it was since that Week 10 game when Derrick Henry ran all over him. They've only given up uh, 70 yards rushing in one game since then. That was to Josh Jacobs in Week 13. But I think a lot of that, they've gotten better, but a lot of that is game, game script. They, they took the lead in a lot of games. And they really haven't been playing opposing offensive lines that have been uh, and running games that have been elite. The Patriots, the Broncos, the Bears, the Chargers twice. So not necessarily the powerhouse running games of the league. So... I think you got to take that with a grain of salt. I don't know if the Niners will have it quite as easy as they did against the Packers, who look like a high school run defense. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, in fact, I know they won't because you don't see that really ever in the NFL. No. That, that was unbelievable. But, you know, it's hard to think that the Chiefs are going to just be able to stifle them as well. I think when we're looking at where the Chiefs We'll try to attack the 49ers And when you look at this 49ers defense It's not like you have a ton of options really You know, you look around and it's like You mentioned how great they are um, up front And they do most of that work up front With Armstead, with Bosa, with Buckner, with Ford They don't even really have to, to you know, um, 
uh, blitz at all. Right. <laughs> they, they, that's that's the what's scary, game. and that's why their coverage is so good. Because with those four, they combined for 36 sacks and 71 knockdowns, which are sacks plus QB hits throughout the year. So they're getting all that pressure. And then you, you look over on the other side, and you have Richard Sherman, who's the number one ranked corner based on coverage grades and pro football focus. And in their slot corner, Williams... He's a top 15 ranked corner. So really, I think the 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 place where we know and they're probably going to attack, and I'm sure San Francisco knows they're probably going to try to attack, is going to be on the other side of the field, um, where it's going to be maybe a combination of Witherspoon and Mosley. Like, Witherspoon's been starting, but he's ranked on the bottom half of corners. And both of these um, players, they can they can get beat. They allow like free release sometimes, and that I think that's where if you're Kansas City, you have to be focused on maybe trying to attack the opposite side of that field. Because if you try to run run right at that front four, you're gonna be in some trouble. You try to go at Sherman, it hasn't been very good for anyone this year. Even someone like Mahomes, is that where you think they probably gonna have to try to attack the opposite side of the field? Yeah, I think so. I think Mosley will probably get the call based on how bad Witherspoon was yeah. early uh, in the. I think it was the Vikings the game. Vikings game. And, you got yeah. beat by, by Diggs early. Yep, yep, mm-hmm. yep. And then uh, the one thing that I do expect is I do expect Andy Reid to run the ball more. I know that might not always happen. Um, I think Damian Williams is going to have to be used more because if it gets to the point where they just know the Chiefs are throwing, they're just going to tee off these guys, you know. Um, some of the best pass rushers in the league. Nick Bosa has a great matchup uh, against Eric Fisher. I expect him to have a big game. But the whole crew, Armstead, Buckner, Ford, uh, they should all, if they don't run the ball a little, it doesn't matter if you have Patrick Mahomes or not, you know, he's going to be able to make some plays, but he, he could. I mean, we've seen it before with the Niners and with other teams. As good as Mahomes is, if he gets hit in the, if he gets hit up the middle early in this game, it could change the whole complexion of things, no matter if you're the greatest quarterback on the face of the earth or not, because we've seen it with Brady. We've seen it with Breeze. They're not the same animal as Mahomes. We've seen it with Rodgers, who's probably the closest, but in his prime. But uh, yeah, that's where I think this game is going to be won for the Niners. And maybe Mahomes is that good, but I feel like, you know, you mentioned the Niners having weaknesses. I'm, I'm curious to what you think they are, unless you're saying Jimmy. No, ju- yeah, I'm saying just maybe the opposite side of the field of, of Sherman, you know, okay. uh, of like if you're attacking them on the defense, because defensively right. they have really no weaknesses other than that. They're awesome in coverage. They're awesome against the run. And if you try to go at Sherman, you're in some trouble. They may, you know, someone like Hill may be able to get. To, to beat Sherman once or twice just because he is damn fast and he can you know really get get by anyone when he wants to but but I don't I don't think they're gonna even be really picking on that side of the field I think that that you know they're gonna have to try to go the opposite way and whether it be uh, Witherspoon or Mosley and, and just say hey this is our best chance over here trying to get uh trying to pick on this side of the field and then yeah and then Jimmy G let's talk a little bit about him like on the offensive side of the ball you know I don't really think Jimmy G is a weakness. I just right. don't think he's a plus. I think he's just a solid to slightly above average quarterback. And, it's, you know, it's hard because we we haven't really seen him be asked to do anything the right. last couple of weeks at all. I mean, period. When he was asked to make plays throughout the year, I mean, how can anybody forget that Saints game? When yep. he was the better quarterback on the field multiple times, he took a, a 49ers team that was down and led them. And that like, that's my concern is if they get down and they're, you know— Forced to throw the ball a little bit because he does, he does make a bad throw. Oh yeah, there. that's, that's my one concern. He's that's been, my he's one not concern. bad, 
But he does have those moments where it's like, what the hell was that? Why didn't he just throw that away? He's very willing to throw the ball to the other team at times. And so far in the postseason, the Packers dropped one early in that game. That could have maybe changed the complexion of it. The Vikings got one, and they dropped another one or two. He's definitely willing to turn the ball over, and that's my one fear in this game. However, the one thing I think the Niners have going for him is the Chiefs have come out of the gate so slow in these playoff games. So, yeah, if they could flip the script and and jump out early, it's going to make them tougher. But, you know, history at this point suggests from Andy Reid in general, his teams come out slow in these games, these postseason big games. And and then it's happened – already twice in this uh, playoff and they've been fortunate enough. They were just so much better, especially than the Texans to overcome it. But yeah, that's the one concern I have and why I'm, you know, tempering expectations and not going all in on the Niners is that if Jimmy G has one of those games where he throws a couple picks, they, they won't, they won't overcome it. You know, actually one of the props that I like is to kind of piggyback your point a little bit right there. It's will the team that scores first win. And what's nice about this is you can go either way, but I'm looking at this from a Kansas City standpoint in that uh, I would play no. Kansas City has had eight non-Matt Moore games in a row where the team that did not score first won. All six of the Mahomes games that he played against playoff teams this year, the losing team scored first. Interesting. uh, And and we saw it the last couple weeks. You know, we know how good Andy Reid is off the bye. I think it's a... It's a little bit mental, I think, when you have a team like Kansas City who you know you can score so quick, which is which is part of why they're they're a good team to root for is because they're never really out of the game. You know, I don't think I don't even think very many of us felt like when they were down twenty four nothing or or ten nothing in those you know first two games they were really out of it because right. we know how quickly they can score. I mean, they looked horrible if they continue to play as bad as they were playing in that first quarter, they were going to get beat. But we just you know they can score quick, and I think sometimes it's kind of like a it's like you feel like you have the closer there And so you just don't come out firing I mean they dropped passes that were just like Inexcusable wide open drops Kelsey Hill They were bobbling balls all over And you know I think sometimes In the Super Bowl too this, this has tend to happen The last couple of years you've had that extra Week off again you come out a little Bit tentative I don't know if anyone's going to Really want to make a mistake early on I could see you know the 49ers just Kind of Scoring first, even kicking a field goal, and then both teams kind of feeling each other out a little bit, and so I, that's a that's a plus one thirty on the no for the team to score first and win. Um, let's start to get into some of the plays. So you're going to play this game, the Forty ers plus the one. I am going to play the four. Well, I'm going to play it on the money line. Yeah, you might. You know, no get, reason to take the point. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to play the plus one ten. Uh, that's what we have at least at Bet America right now. I got in at plus one fifteen actually earlier in the week, but right now it's plus one ten there. Um, another prop that I like that's actually laying that kind of goes along with this is uh, I don't see how Raheem Mostert doesn't score a touchdown in this game. Just right. the, it's minus one fifty. I know that's a lot to lay, but I'd prefer to do that over playing. I I don't love his over or under yardage. I'm concerned about the usage, but I'm not concerned about them going to him when they get near the goal line. And I just don't see how the Niners don't score at least two, three, four touchdowns in this game. And I, you know, Jimmy G, Jimmy G throwing for three or four doesn't seem likely. And with Coleman kind of banged up and Breida having f- uh, fumbled. You know, he may mix it up, but I just can't see him not using Mostert in that, you know, in the red zone, in the green zone. Um, so minus 150 for that. 
And then um, I, I, the one guy that I'm intrigued by, even from an MVP standpoint, but more more so from um, a prop standpoint, is is playing uh, Nick Bosa. I think he yeah. matches up so well in this game. Um, I, you know, you know the Chiefs are going to pass the ball a lot. Um, I found a prop uh, over half a sack for him. So meaning he just needs to get a half a sack for a push because half sacks do happen. Uh, and that's plus 115. Oh, that's great. So, yeah. And then there's Nick Bosa over three and a half tackles and assists. That's plus 110. A little less bullish on that. Um, but, yeah, I just feel like Nick Bosa is going to have a big game here. I don't like the matchup for Eric Fisher. And there should be plenty of opportunities for him to, to rush the passer. Yeah, I think if you like the 49ers, you know, maybe take a few swings on some of their uh, MVP odds because it, they're the type of team where, like, I feel like if Kansas City wins it's, and Mahomes is probably going to be the MVP, right? And that's based right. on the odds. You can see it like he's minus 150 in some places now to be the MVP, which is absurd. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, why not like, bet the Chiefs? You know what I you mean? Know, just bet the Chiefs. Exactly. Why not just bet the Chiefs <laughs> in, in that instance? So like, if you like the 49ers, you could take a few swings because I, I would be a lot less likely that it's Jimmy G to win. It, it could be. One of the running backs, it could be Kittle. You could you mentioned it could be Bosa, you know, who could who could have a really big game and get a couple sacks. They just named Sherman him rookie maybe, of the year now. Maybe even Sherman, Sh- even right? Sherman gets Five an interception. Yeah. I mean, so there are if you like the 49ers, if you're gonna play the 49ers, put a few bucks on a couple of those MVP props. You know, I even like um uh, a couple that are the player to score the first touchdown or the first points of the game, you know, what's wrong with someone like Debo Samuel or even a Mahomes, if you're in that situation, Mahomes is like 18 to one. I could see him like rolling out or if they're on the one yard line, just to sneak in 22. a little bootleg, you know, he's 20, like uh, Debo Samuel, I think is, is anywhere 15 to one or so well, to score first. You can't, you know, absolutely yeah. could see him scoring a touchdown. So those are kind of some fun plays based on who you like. You know, look around in some of them. If you like Mahomes, don't play him to win the MVP. Play him on a couple of these ones where it's like, sure, he ran the ball really well last week. And in a Super Bowl situation like this, this is when you have to really take the handcuffs off now. You know, if if I see Mahomes running all over the place, it's not going to surprise me. This is probably not the same way. He probably wouldn't run around like that maybe in week 12 of the season and not want to get banged up. Now he's thinking, I got to get every first down. I got to get in the end zone here, you know, uh, that that's a fun one. Um, I think I'm gonna also take under 48 and a half yards for the longest field goal made, which is just even minus 110. I just okay. don't think either one of these two teams are really gonna kick long field goals. Gold is only one for five the whole year over 48 yards. He hit that one against Green Bay last week, and that was more of like an insurance. I don't think the 49ers are gonna try to kick field goals against the Chiefs because I, I feel like they're gonna get aggressive and go for it a little bit more. So we're basically saying Somebody has to hit a 50-yard field goal or over. And if you look like throughout the season, there just aren't even that many field goals that deep attempted anymore, in particular by these two teams. I think Butker was four for seven um, over 48. But that, that's one that, I, uh, that I'm looking at. Are there any other uh, props that you've, uh, you've, you've taken a look at? You mentioned Debo Samuel. I'm pretty, I'm pretty high on his chances of having a big game. He let me down, but really didn't. I played his over in the Packer game. He had 46 yards, I believe, on the first in the second on the second possession, and they just never threw the ball again. So think about it: eight, eight dropbacks for Jimmy G. He had 46 yards. This guy has been a massive part of the offense uh, down the stretch. He had three for 42 against Minnesota. I know it looks like he went under, but another game where they stopped throwing the ball. They they only threw the ball in the first half. 
Um, the Seattle game, when it was back and forth a little, they still, they still had a positive game script that day, but he had five for 102. So I wouldn't play over the receptions of four and a half, but there's just no way I see this game going to the point where the Niners don't have to throw at least 20-something times. So Debo Samuel to me, over 55 and a half yards, that's appealing. Let me ask you this. Do you have the, you know, my handicap is kind of that the Niners are going to control, to an extent, the Chiefs. But it's interesting. I mean, how many people playing 25, 50, 10, $100 bets are going to play under Patrick Mahomes passing yards instead of over? But 299 and a half is a big number that he has not gone over a lot this year. And um, it's, it's funny if you just, and, I, and I've read in a couple articles like this too, nobody likes to do it, but one year I'm going to do it. If you just under. play under everything, <laughs> yeah. you just play under everyone because everyone can't possibly be involved. Like all of the offensive players catches their receptions, their yards, one or two players get banged up. They get hurt. You know, you get a defensive score or something. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would go, uh, I think it's, like the, I, I'm not even sure how over this game goes. I think it's just going to be a pretty competitive game. And like, if it is back and forth, I think that means both teams are going to be able to run the ball. San Francisco is not going to be, I don't think, coming from way behind, like chasing to where they have to throw the ball. I think it's just going to be a good, a good game between two good teams and and two pretty good coaches. So I don't like. I, I'm thinking it's, you know, I'm going to play. I'd love to play a lot of these unders um, for for a lot of them. So I'm with you just, on Mahomes, especially you if just you're got playing to, uh... with the Niners. Yeah, the only thing you just you just gotta hope it's not Eagles Patriots, but right. uh, no, no, really, you're really the last key. year. Yeah, like last really. Year, oh, last year, you, last year, you're 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 buying another house or something with yeah. that. But yeah, I mean, I think the key when you're playing all the unders or playing the under in any game is you just you what you can't afford to happen is is a team to jump out to multiple score leads. I had the under in the Packers Niners game. I don't think the Packers would have scored that game if, if the Niners. Close. Right, yep. but then it just got so out of hand that the Niners are pre- playing prevent and playing the clock, and they're no longer worried about you know stopping them on every possession. I mean, the Packers drove down for what that eight-minute touchdown drive to start the third quarter. The Niners are like, "Thank you." I mean, sure. that's that was exactly yeah. what we wanted. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, um, yeah. So I just found it inter- I just find it interesting the psychology of. Of this, these things. I mean, you just don't even hear it. People playing overs, and then now that the, the, these bets are so available, you know, I listen to a lot of fantasy analysis, and these guys very sharp at handicapping matchups, but they never play unders. It's never. always over. I know these lines have to be inflated a couple of yards here and a recept half a reception here. They just have to be because the action from non sharp sharp betters has to be it's so- always over. Exactly. And it's always over because nobody wants to bet an under when you're watching a game. You're even like anyone that's not a like betting like for a living or like really really serious about it. They always just want to play overs because they always exactly. want to root for points. They want to watch it. Nobody wants to sit there and root for missed shots or missed you know like in, incompletions or punts. Give me another punt, please. Punt, 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 <laughs> punt. You know, like nobody. I that. love it, man. I love. Oh it. yeah. I mean, there's nothing more satisfying than watching a basketball or football game or even a baseball game where you have an under and it's Clank. just you're Clank. never yeah you're just never like you just sit back and watch the defense or watch the bricks or watch the pitching and it's just i guess it, it's a certain level of player that enjoys that though right yeah it, <laughs> there's uh one more i want to mention before we will uh, give you some final thoughts and let you go um we we talked about how 
Jimmy G it can make a mistake or two. We we you know Mahomes is going to be throwing the ball against a really good defense. Will there be a defensive or a special teams touchdown? Yes, is plus one ninety. I kind of like that in here. The 49ers have five defensive touchdowns this year. Jimmy G has a pick six this year. Kansas City has a kick return for a touchdown and then three defensive touchdowns themselves. And you're getting, you know, all the special teams here and all the defensive opportunities for almost plus 200. I think this one's kind of interesting with, you know, the way we see this game going. A really good defense to, you know, a, a Pat Mahomes who's going to throw the ball all over the place and then a quarterback, Jimmy G, who could make a mistake or two. And, you no, know, and, good. and yeah. Hardman returning a kick Or if they put yeah. Hill or back Hill. there yeah. You know they can put him back there to return a kick I think that's kind of an interesting one And it's another one where it doesn't matter Who the hell winner loses in that game right In in that prop like you, you, If you like the 49ers and the Chiefs are up 40 to nothing you could still win this prop With a defense or a special team score So it's always fun to play a few of them So even if your opinion is just way off Then um, it, it doesn't matter And, and, the, and the most important prop um, That when the halftime show starts, the first Jennifer Lopez song that we hear, Scott, when it's waiting for tonight, whoa, <laughs> you would be here in my arms. When that when that song goes first, just know that this guy's cashing some tickets. All this right, I'll be. I have something to root for because I don't have a play in on that. What's yeah. the odds on that? Plus one thousand. So yeah, for, <laughs> I, I was looking at some of her sets, and I think that it's kind of an old song. Uh, people know it. I think she'll uh-huh. save one of the other bigger ones for the closing. Waiting for tonight's kind of like a, a good to open for the Super Bowl. It's right there at night at halftime. I'm thinking that's what she goes with right away. So if the first Jennifer Lopez song is uh, waiting for tonight, we'll be we'll be doing great. So um, before we let you go, any final thoughts, and then uh, and then let us you know give us all your plugs and, and what you have out there, and where else we can listen to more analysis from you. Yeah, I guess the only last final thought other than the fact that I'll be pulling for the Niners is the Jimmy G over half an interception. I forgot about that one. I I like the Niners in this game, but I think Jimmy G will throw at least one to the Chiefs. That's at minus 140. I feel pretty good about that. Maybe the Chiefs will take it back for you. Hopefully that'll be their only score. We'll both cash on that. I'll cash on the Niners. Um, And then in terms of where you can find my work, uh, Twitter, best place to follow me. I've always posted all my stuff there, at Scott Chap. 34. Uh, we just uh, released a new blog, uh, started a new, the extra.betamerica.com, fresh, clean look there, Fl- sites flying. So uh, you'll get my Super Bowl preview there. And then uh, I also do a PGA golf preview each week uh, and start to have a Saturday college basketball preview for a couple of the games I like. Um, and the Who Do You Like podcast, which you've been on a number of times and we'll be having you back soon. You can find that where all your podcasts are found. Yeah, I was just listening earlier today. I, I I gotta let you know I cheated a little bit. I listened to the podcast earlier to see who you liked, and then I read your uh your write up a little bit too on Bet America, and uh, we'll be You're really ex- yeah <laughs> we'll be really excited <laughs> to uh to be talking with you more because I know on on who do you like you covered uh, the golf. And you'll be covering college basketball And you're doing some weekly like Kentucky Derby segments Talking about some yes. of the three-year-olds leading up Which is always great stuff uh, If you're a horse racing fan Really good stuff to, to toss on in the background You're doing your handicapping Kind of making your list and stuff I, I listened to one of yours before One of my uh, fantasy drafts that I had for horse racing So I, I jotted some of your your thoughts down And, and incorporated them with mine So um, thanks a lot, buddy Always appreciate having you on Hope you cash a bunch of tickets this weekend And uh, like always, we'll be talking to you real soon Sounds good, buddy. Looking forward to the game. Good luck to you and your Jennifer Lopez wager. There we go. Waiting for tonight. <laughs> wow.
Thanks a lot. That is uh, Scott Shapiro, our good friend. We'll be back in just a moment here on That's What G Said. A big thank you to our good friend Scott Shapiro. He's a great follow, and what I love about Scott is he mentioned we talked a lot of football here, but you can follow him for good information on all sports, college basketball, college football, golf, horse racing. Really good follow, and thanks to good luck to Scott in all of his wagers. Well, we're talking football, and we're talking props, right? So right now, why why don't you take a look at the the fantasy site that is built around props. It's called Thrive Fantasy. It's the new DFS app for prop bets. If you use the promo code GINO, you'll get a $10 bonus when you deposit 10 bucks. So if you want to just check it out and see what it's like, go put 10 bucks in. You'll get a $10 bonus right back. They have a big Super Bowl contest with $20,000 in winnings. It's 50 to enter. The the winner gets 4,000. And it's all props that many of you have already been looking at for the Super Bowl. So give it a look. If you have any questions, I can help you out. They have free roll contest. If you're not someone who's interested in, in football, they have contests for all different sports. Even League of Legends are on there. You can complete compete in head-to-head competitions, three-person competitions, five-person competitions, or the big contest where there are hundreds to thousands of entries. You, you'll see me in there all the time. I'm under That's What G Said. That's my name in there, and I've checked this site out a few times. I wanted to make sure that if you win money, what's it like when you have to withdraw, stuff like that. They're great. I put the money right back into my PayPal Check this out. It is great. For each contest, you have to choose 10 of the 20, 10 of the prop bets, and then a couple in case of emergency prop bets. And each unique prop has the over or the under. It's just like the the bets you're making on these props, uh, all sorts of different sites. So take a look. Uh, They have a free contest. If you want to get a free roll in, you can get involved for as little as two bucks or for as much as 5,000. But why not take advantage of a, a free little bonus? Put 10 bucks in, use the promo code G-I-N-O, and you'll get that $10 bonus right back on Thrive Fantasy. Up next, interview number two, it is Paul Bovey from Vegas Insider. We break down the big game with Paul, give you a different perspective, and we talk a little props at the end. So, hope you enjoy this interview with Paul Bovey. Very excited to have uh, our next guest up here on That's What G Said podcast. You heard him a few weeks ago at the beginning of the playoffs. We were talking some NFL, and he is back now to, to break down the Super Bowl with us from Vegas Insider, Paul Bovey. Paul, uh, before we get into the, the game, it does seem like uh, this NFL playoff season has been a little overshadowed in general in sports, right? A couple weeks ago, we had all the the drama with the Astros and, and that big story coming out right when the playoffs started, and then the unfortunate news of uh, the passing of Kobe Bryant and his daughter and the, and the seven others in the helicopter last week. It almost it's uh, it almost doesn't really feel like it's a Super Bowl this weekend coming up. Yeah, and it's a shame, Gino, because these playoffs have been great. The NFL, I think, has rebounded from a couple years ago when the ratings were down. And and this game is, is it, look, it's a phenomenal matchup. Uh, it you is. You ask for... Uh, two better teams, and I think a lot of people have embraced the fact that the Patriots are out of this game first time since 2015. So, yeah, you make a good point there, and uh, unfortunately it does uh, put a damper on the game a little bit, but I think by the time it kicks off, uh, everybody will be in the flow and uh, looking forward to a good one here. 
it felt like as the week went on into like Wednesday, Thursday, it felt like the focus started uh, started now getting onto the game. And as you mentioned, just to, like breaking this game down was a ton of fun. These are just two like good football teams who are really playing well at the right time. And you know what, Paul? When you're good, you got to be a little lucky too. And both of these teams got a little lucky towards the end of the season, right? When these two teams both could have been playing on wild card weekend if it wasn't for their um some weird things happening like Seattle couldn't get in against San Francisco when they were on the 1 yard line and had you know many opportunities to score and Kansas City they needed the Patriots to lose to the Dolphins in order for them to get a home game so sometimes you got to be really good but then sometimes you got to be a little lucky too right yeah that that Patriot loss to the Dolphins a miracle and and I I had him actually in a money line parlay so I'm still smarting from that when I thought that was just, <laughs> you know, that was just a formality. I was worried about the other four teams in there. But, uh, yeah, you are uh, spot on with that one. Both of these teams could have been playing a much more formidable or, or had a much more formidable schedule uh, leading up to this game. But it worked out, and I think it worked out for the betterment of the fans and the yep. league. Great matchup here, and I'm anxious to talk about it with you. Yeah, I mean, these... I think towards throughout most of the year, the buzz was Lamar Jackson and the Ravens and how good they were. And, and then there was always a lot of talk about the 49ers and is this team real? And, and so most of the year, we didn't really even hear a whole lot about Patrick Mahomes. He got hurt for a couple games. They were struggling early, but then he, he came back from his injury and we, I think we really saw the chiefs team the last few weeks of the year, their defense improved. It's not a great, Defense, but the, it improved to like slightly below average, average in some spots, which might be enough to get by the San Francisco 49ers team. So let's talk about the uh, the line right away. It's, I mean, we talk about a, a, a good game. Are you seeing just like a lot of ones around where you look right now for the point spread? Yeah, actually, there's some one and a half. It's floated up a little bit. The Chiefs are getting the preponderance of the support right now. To the tune of about 66, 67% of the bets. And I, I, I think that's an endorsement of Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. because it's really hard to get behind this Chiefs defense. And although you pointed out, Gino, there has been some improvement, I, I still think there's major liabilities with this Kansas City defense, particularly in stopping the run. So this is not a good matchup for them. And, you know, you look at that six-game win streak – in the regular season, post that Titans meltdown, 35-32. And, and the Raiders, okay, you look at that game, 40-9. to They were outgained, and the Raiders still averaged almost five yards per rush. The Bears, four and a half yards per rush. And, and I think it's a glaring weakness that's going to hurt them here, and it's why I favor the 49ers. Well, even last week, you know, you mentioned the first 10 games, Kansas City of the year, Kansas City allowed 148 yards per game rushing, which was 31st. They allowed 12 rushing touchdowns, which was 28th. They allowed five different players to rush for 100 plus yards. They just weren't very good. They improved a little bit to the point where the last eight games, they were the instead of being in the, the like the bottom five, they were like 20th ranked overall by pro football focus. And the, the problem, though, that I have is. I think a lot of people are looking at the game two weeks ago where they played the Titans and they're going, wow, this team was able to shut down Henry. And they were getting beat up on the line early in that game. And I, sh- stopping Henry is a little bit different than stopping this 49ers run game because I think, you know, 
Against Henry, they have the Titans have a little more basic of a run game. It's basically, hey, I'm Derrick Henry. I'm going to run at you, and you got to try to tackle me. And a lot of people still can't. This 49ers run game, it is it is much more, um, it, it is much more of, of just a really well coached, well schemed run game. They don't really run right down your throat. They they kind of did that to Green Bay because they knew Green Bay couldn't do anything about it. But they're going to make some. Some motion. There's going to be a lot of pre movement. There's going to be uh, a ton of uh, swing to the side. They're not going to, this is not like a really basic run game. So I'm a little concerned, as you mentioned, with that Kansas City run defense. It's not strong as it is. They're kind of puffing their chest out a little bit because they played well a couple weeks ago, but they could be in for a rude awakening here with a dose of, you know, three different backs who can hit you in different ways. You make uh, some excellent points there. Now, with respect to motion, the Niners are number one in the league in using motion in the running game, and the Chiefs are the worst defense against uh, the running game when motion is employed. So that works to their disadvantage, the Chiefs. Uh, and you mentioned the, uh, the, the, the type of running with respect to Henry versus the 49er running game. The 49er running game is more of a slashing type uh, run offense as opposed to Henry who runs straight at you. Now, in that Titan game early on, they moved the ball down the field in short order. Tennessee did 58 yards, 58 yards, two drives uh, consecutively, and then a 75-yard drive for a touchdown leading to 17 early points. And I think they got a little conservative after that, and the Chiefs took control late and and uh, kind of masked the problems they had early on in stopping the crossing patterns from Ryan Tannehill to A.J. Brown and some of the other receivers. I, I, I Again, uh, the, the Chiefs faced the 21st and 28th offense this uh, these playoffs in the Titans and the Texans, and I think they're definitely taking a step up in class here. What makes the 49ers so difficult to attack um, defensively so when you're when you're on offense and you're trying to, to pick weaknesses with them is they their front four. I mean, they can get so much pressure without having to blitz, without having to send extra with just with Armstead, with Bosa, with Buckner, with Ford. They combined for 36 sacks. They combined for 71 knockdowns, which are sacks plus quarterback hits. And that just makes the coverage so much easier for them when you have Richard Sherman, who's been the number one ranked corner based on coverage. You have a slot corner in Williams, who's like a top 15 corner, who's been really, really good. I think the one weakness when you look through that 49ers defense is probably on the opposite side of the ball from Richard Sherman. And it's going to be the combination of Witherspoon and Mosley. Witherspoon, who struggled and he got torched uh, by Diggs in that Vikings game. And then we've seen a little bit more Mosley there. If you're Kansas City trying to attack San Francisco, is that where you're going to try to attack them? Yeah, they have given up some yards uh, through the air this year. They're not invincible. The, mm-hmm. the, the Saints, we remember that game. Drew Brees was 29-40 for, I think, 360 yards. Jared Goff in the second Ram game, the one that the 49ers prevailed, 34-31 he had success, and so did Kyla Murray in one of those Arizona games. So you can beat them, but yes, I would go away from Richard Sherman. I would try to beat him on the neath, which I think is going to uh, 
be necessary to elude the rush or mitigate the rush in checking down to Damian Williams, who I don't consider much of a threat running the football, but catching the football out of the backfield, yes. So they're going to have to employ some different schemes on offense as opposed to just throwing the ball uh, directly into that secondary, into the teeth of their good corners uh, or their better corner, notably Richard Sherman. And and I think you make a good point there. What the Chiefs are going to have to try to do is stay away from third and long because the 49ers, when they can bring that pressure with, with just the four, they are excellent. They are the number two third down defense. The Chiefs are actually the number one third down offense. So it's is one of those things where we have strength on strength and, and something's got to give. And that's what you kind of see a lot when you're you're going through the matchups in these games. As we mentioned, two really good teams. So I think are we expecting with the Chiefs a little more dink and dunk maybe in this game to 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 kind of um, take the place of the running game. It's kind of what the Patriots have done the last few years when they're not always running the ball, but when they're just getting the ball out of their hands immediately, quick little slants, maybe Kelsey for five, or as you mentioned, one of the backs out of the, the backfield for five, that can maybe keep you out of the third and long and just kind of keep you moving. Maybe we don't see the Kansas City going right down the field in this game. Yeah, I, I would agree with that because uh, Kansas City doesn't have much of a running game. Yes, uh, Damian Williams, uh, and he's a guy I went under on in terms of uh, carries and yardage at 53 and a half. He's carried the ball 111 times this year for 498 yards. Now, at first glance, those numbers look pretty impressive. But when you back out the 91-yard uh, run against the Vikings and the 84-yarder against the Chargers, you're left with 109 for 323, which is a shade under three. And that's where he comes in at. And and Kansas City gets off the run quickly. At one point during the Texan game, they had run 37 plays, and 31 of them were uh, pass plays. So they get off the run, and their version of a running game is a short passing game. And and that's what I think you're going to see. I don't think you're going to see much in the way of success running the football here and we we have a Mahomes now who you know the the buzz all this year was about Lamar Jackson but what I what I love about looking at this matchup is it feels like the 49ers may not have had to deal with an animal quite like Mahomes most of this year and the Chiefs have definitely not had to deal with an animal anything like this 49ers defense that they're going to see And, and so when you break those down and you look at it Kind of give us, before we, we move into specifics and how we're going to play the game and props and stuff, kind of what your final overall analysis of the game is. You, it said it sounded like you were leaning towards the 49ers. What are, what are you kind of with the prediction and how things shake out? I'll tell you, I think the 49ers are going to get to 31 points here. Uh, I, I hope they get more because one of the props I took was that they would score exactly five touchdowns at eight to one, oh. uh, which I think is value because I think the sweet spot is is three or four and five is just on the outside looking in with a possibility. But I do think they get to 31 points here, which means that in order for the Chiefs to win this game, they're going to have to score 34 to 37. Now, I'm not saying they can't do that. And I'm saying the minimum the 49ers will get to is 31. But I'm looking for a higher scoring game. Would I feel comfortable taking it at 54, 54 and a half? Not when I got it at 51. Right. Which, oh, yeah. Which is where I landed uh, in taking the game 
as the uh, NFC Championship was wrapping up, and and I got a good number there. But I could definitely see these two teams putting some points on the board. But in the end, I think the 49ers are going to get the best of it. And what's great about this game is if you don't really have, remember, this is a Super Bowl, don't because it is the Super Bowl, don't feel forced to take a side because there are many different the things we can play in here with all of the different props. And just from someone who's been betting for so long, Paul, and been has been in the game for a while, isn't it incredible to see, you know, the difference between 20 years ago and now how many different things we can bet on on this game? Are you calling me old, Gino? <laughs> well, I'm, I remember it too. I remember it too. But I mean, when you see, when we see all the different props that are now the the cross sport props, which are really fun. That you know, we'll, we'll combine the like the points, rebound, and assists from basketball games the night before, or hockey stuff from that day, or college basketball stuff from that day too. And now we can play on uh, the color of the, of the Gatorade and what's the the halftime song order going to be for Shakira and Jennifer Lopez. It is it is just pretty amazing how much this has grown and how many people just love playing these props. Whether they're going to be playing them individually or they're going to some Super Bowl party and playing a big prop sheet or you know playing one in the in one of the casinos. It's it's. It's fun. It's funny. I just kind of chuckle every time I see the the prop booklets come out that are you know fifty pages long. It's it's amazing. And and what's great about it is that, that every book tries to one up the other book. So for example, one of the props that came out on one of my offshore sites was at plus eight to one. You can take uh, that Jennifer Lopez and Shakira would kiss on stage. And I, you know, and then what, what defines a kiss? Is it tongue? Is it no tongue? You know? So of course it will be a self-serving grading process by the, by the book. And that's where you run into some problems on these props. I, I had one uh, many, many years ago where Troy Brown called for a fair catch and the verbiage of the bet was who would call for the first fair catch. Well, Troy Brown fumbled against Carolina, uh, so he doesn't he doesn't didn't secure the ball, and they graded it a loss. I fought with the book and and didn't get credit for it. But you know, there's some uh, definite subjectivity in the grading process. But there's so many props to play, and if you can't find value in 500 props, well, you're not looking hard enough. Well, if you're someone like you and you are leading the San Francisco side, there's a lot of different options as far as, you know, MVP, player to score the first touchdown, um, different individual props like that. So as far as the prop sheet looks at, are there any particular ones that you leaned on or, or the ones that you might take uh, might have taken a second glance to? Oh, sure. Uh, well, look, one of, as you mentioned props, I, I tend to stay away from random stuff. like Goofy, first, funny stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, first touchdown – Basically, as you bet props, uh, you look at value, and I- I'll just jump at value. If I see value, even though I might not like it, I'll grab it. Uh, I'll give you an uh, example. T- uh, Teron Mith- Matthew, uh, I took him over five tackles because I-, I thought it was a good number, and it was a good number because they brought him out elsewhere at five and a half. So I'm probably going to get off it and hope for a five and and have very little risk. Uh, I have Mostert under 17 carries, and then I played him over 15. So jump at the value. Uh, put recency in the proper perspective. Uh, people tend to look back with a very short window and, and ignore the, the, the whole picture. 
and that's where you benefit on these props sometimes. But, yeah, I, I really honed in on Damian Williams here. I took him over on uh, receptions and yardage and took him under on the rushing. Uh, I got a couple of them with uh, Breida. I actually have one with uh, Matt Breida. So I have him over three and a half carries. And, and a lot of that, uh, what's factored in there is, is Coleman, who ha- sustained the dislocated shoulder in the championship game. And, and Gino, I had nine dislocated shoulders from sports-related injuries before I finally had surgery. And you sustain a dislocated shoulder. Yeah, you'll put the uh, ball back in the socket, but the ligaments do not heal in two weeks. So he'll play. He can carry the ball with both uh, arms. The problem is he will not be able to take handoffs on the right side. So the defense is going to pretty much collapse to the left-hand side of, of the line. They're right. Uh, the offense is left, knowing that Mostert can't run to the right side. So I think Breida gets some activity. He's basically been phased out of the offense the last few weeks. He came back from an ankle injury uh, where he was clean as far as fumbles go, and then he, uh, against New Orleans, they worked him back in the offense, six carries, 54 yards with a 28-yard run. And then the next week, the implosion, he fumbles twice against Atlanta. And since then, only 13 carries for 35 yards. But in the first nine games, he had eight in double figures. So I think he's going to work him back in the offense here, especially given Coleman's situation over three and a half carries there. And, I, you know, I have a bunch of others. And, uh, you, you know, again, value is, is, is the key. Yeah, just look around from for the the different books, the different sheets, and if if there's something that's a uh, you like, you know, obviously search for your best line, find it. Especially in in you know something where there's so many props, there could definitely be discrepancies from one book to the next because they're just not getting played as much when there's such a a value. Uh, there's such a variety here. Um, we didn't really, and, and we'll we'll spend just a few more minutes before we let you go. W- one thing that we didn't really talk a whole lot about, and this is kind of it, there are some props that that revolve around this is is Jimmy G. And and Jimmy G's kind of been a story throughout the week because people are kind of talking about him as, you know, the weak link or one of the weak links for the 49ers. He didn't have to throw the ball at all. He's only had 17 passes completed in two playoff games, but they've kicked the crap out of both teams that they've played. They haven't had to throw the ball. I mean, why would you throw the ball if uh, the other team knows you're going to run and they still can't stop you? Do I'm not going to say Jimmy G is the best quarterback in the league, and I don't think he's the worst. I think he's, you know, a slightly above average quarterback. I was extremely impressed in two particular games this year with him, the Ford, uh, the the Saints game on the road when they were down multiple scores, and he was able to come back, keep them in that game, and and play kind of outplay Drew Brees, and then in the game against the Rams, where the Rams were starting to play pretty well towards the end of the year, and he had to make a couple really big third down plays. In order to to sustain drives and in order to win that game, what did, where do you stand on Jimmy G? And if if you know someone who is going to back the 49ers, if you're down, you know five with uh you know a, a two minutes left to go, do you trust Jimmy G can bring you back for a game winning score? Well, Jimmy G is turnover prone. He, uh, Thirteen interceptions in the regular season and at least six or seven uh, dropped. Dropped uh, interceptions. That yeah. could have been more. Yeah. Yeah. And and he had one in the Viking game. But Jimmy G, 
uh, when he's trailing, has a 117 passer rating. He's number one in the That's league tough. in terms of yards per attempt. Now, he came out at, I have a strong opinion on him. He came out at 256 and a half yards at South Point. They immediately bet the number down, and it's been floating around 237, 239, and I went over here because, you know, recency would say, all right, why would he go over 237? When he's only thrown for 208 in the first two games, and in the last two games in the playoffs. And you made a good point. They were blowouts. Shanahan will cease and desist from throwing the football if he feels comfortable with a lead. In the Viking game, they were up 17 to 10. He ran the ball seven straight times, uh, got the touchdown 24 10. Next drive, three straight times. So he'll just completely take the air out of the football. But I don't think he'll ever get to the point where he he will feel comfortable with a lead here. Now, Jimmy G had seven games this year where he was sub 200 yards in passing. All uh, seven games, uh, you had weather or a large lead factored in to uh, him not throwing the football. You had the Carolina game, 51-13. You had the Browns, 31-3. To name a few, Tampa Bay, 31-17. Those two playoff games. And then they went to the East Coast. If you recall, Redskin game, 9-0, wind and rain. And then that Baltimore game, same thing. They lose to the Ravens, 20-17, wind and rain. So I think the Chiefs will force him to throw the football here because they know he's turnover prone. I I think he is the guy that's going to make or break the 49ers. If he keeps his turnovers to one or zero, they will win the football game. And it's, it's just a fascinating game to, to break down back and forth in, uh, uh, before I let you go, do you have any final thoughts or any final analysis? What, or what do you have? Um, anything written? Anything where we can follow you? Let us know what you've been working on and what you have up for the next few days. Well, I'm I'm on Vegas Insider. You can get all my props there. And if I didn't make a point of it just now, I I did bet Jimmy G over the two thirty-seven and a half. I've I've given out most of them here. Uh, you know, if people should be rewarded for listening into your fine. Uh, podcast because I do tune in. You're a fantastic uh, horse handicapper. I'm very impressed. Do getting things done. I, it's amazing that you have a, a an infant and <laughs> to get all this done. And and I'm sure you're tuning into the Lakers. And and I'm not sure when this is going to go up, but it's a very emotional game tonight uh, as they take on the Trailblazers in the uh, Staples Center. First game back from that uh, unfortunate uh, occurrence with Kobe Bryant. But, uh, yeah, I've, I've basically given you what I got, uh, and, and I'm looking for a 49er win. I'm, I'm hoping I get it. I'm hoping they score more than 26.5 points because I did go over the team total, and I insured my 26.5 with uh, 26 exactly. At twenty-five to one, twenty-five to uh, exactly at sixty to one, and twenty-four at fifteen to one. So the only way I lose that if if they come in under twenty-four points, and with the Chiefs' defense, I just don't see that happening. 
Oh, by the way, on quarterback, uh, one thing I want to point out with Jimmy G. You know, on quarterback, um, going over on quarterback uh, yardage, obviously we learned in these playoffs that you want your team to be trailing. So although I think the 49ers are going to prevail in this game, I think he's a lock to get it if uh, if the Chiefs are, are winning the football game because he'll be forced to throw. And even if he doesn't get it, he'll still go over the 237 because that's something that a lot of bettors don't take into account, that there's an inverse relationship between the team and the quarterback yardage. And if you look back at that Seattle-Pittsburgh Super Bowl from like 12, 13 years ago, no better example that when the Steelers won the game 21-10, to Ben Roethlisberger threw for 123 yards, and in a losing effort, Matt Hasselbeck 276. Paul, what I love uh, about when we have conversations and when I love when I when I follow your stuff on, on Vegas Insider is we reiterate to the folks out there, and I try to preach this a lot with horse racing in particular. I'll give my value line. Hey, I like this horse. Uh, to me, he's a 7-2 to two shot. I don't want to play him any less than that. What I like when, when we talk about is the numbers because we, we you got to make sure you're getting the best value all over the place with, with whatever number it's going to be for a prop, for a betting line, for an over-under, for a total – we you hear this all the time that the professional gamblers don't play teams they play numbers and in reality it's it's a combination of both like if you don't know the teams you don't really know what number they should be but what that means more than anything is you're not going to take a bad number if you really like a team and as you mentioned if you see that these numbers have moved and you're already giving away a couple points and you're not getting the best number one thing we have to do is betters and i've i've gotten much better at this as i've gotten older and more disciplined is sometimes you got to sit on your hands and say that's not a good number and i and you know what even if that wins i have to be okay with it losing and just knowing i didn't get the best value there and i really i really admire you because you're very disciplined in that sense and that's something that you have uh, reiterated a couple times on here and just in our conversations too we've talked about that a bunch and i think that's something that all the listeners out there even if you're someone who Who's just playing for fun and you're not trying to to make a living doing this You want to do you want to do things the right way and make sure you're, you're developing really good habits And that's one habit that I think everyone can really hopefully learn from you You know what I'm look Gino I make mistakes sometimes I, I, I made one a couple years ago because I did not get the opener on Russell Wilson rushing yards Against the Patriots uh, I guess it was four or five years ago and uh, he got the opener. He went over the opener and did not go over my number that I got. I got to Vegas late that year, and I was four yards removed from the best number. And it cost me, and it cost me a lot of money. So we all get our hands burned sometimes, and, and I got mine burned that year. But uh, I, I think sometimes the adage, the train has left the station, you know, kicks in. I mean, Mm -hmm. sometimes the number just gets away and you just, as you say, you got to let it go. You got to be good with it and you got to make a prudent decision instead of chasing. Chasing is is never a good thing uh, when it comes to sports, when it comes to stocks or whatever. You just got to peel back. Paul Bovey, Vegas Insider. So the next couple times from now on when we talk to you, it'll probably be you, you when football start stops. Where does your focus go to mostly? Well, I, I was really big on the NBA when I was doing a podcast with uh, Tim Donaghy, and, I, and I'm still 
focused on the NBA, but not as focused. Let's put it that way. And uh, I I had a winner last night with the uh, Denver Nuggets over the Utah Jazz. So I'm 26 and 18 this year in Vegas Insider. I haven't uh, posted with volume this year, but the, the the percentage is decent at 59%. I'll probably amp it up a little bit now that football is coming to an end uh, till the end of the regular season. But uh, yeah, I'll be looking at the NBA. I'm really not a huge college basketball uh, guy. I, I don't handicap baseball because it's just, you want to try to give your, uh, yourself the best chance to win, but also give yourself a life. So I gear up yeah. <laughs> after this and, uh, and try to enjoy some uh, downtime. Yeah, I was going to say, for, for me too, it'll be, uh, we'll, we'll talk a little more horse racing on here and, and a little basketball. But just from a, a wagering standpoint, uh, there's nothing really like football and college football. Um, when Just the, the weekends prepping for them, it's it's fun, it's really hard work, but you you feel like even though the lines are some of the best in the world, you feel like you have an opportunity if you work really hard. Um, if you're someone who's you know keeping an eye on the numbers and stuff, it's just it gets tough as you mentioned with baseball with every single day. College basketball, you can find some inefficiencies in lines, but if you're not able to sit down and watch a ton of games, you're not going to be able to sniff those out. So this is a, a a time of the year that everybody kind of maybe takes a little bit of a break or is good to have a week or two off after after the Super Bowl because the NFL and college football are a ton of work and they're a ton of fun and and we love doing it. And uh, you've been very successful again this year. We're very appreciative that we've been able to have you a couple times on That's What G Said. So thank you so much, Paul. We'll talk to you again soon. We'll talk some NBA. We'll, we'll talk some horse racing one of these weekends also when we have you back. Thanks, Gino. Okay, Paul. That was uh, Paul Bovey here on That's What G Said. We'll take a big thank you to Paul Voby from Vegas Insider. Very sharp handicapper, you could tell there. So both of our uh, our guests today, r- real sharp, good friends, and we'll be having them back on uh, a lot here on That's What G Said. Let's just kind of put a bow on some of my thoughts, and then we'll recap the prop. So a lot of this stuff is probably repeated from things that we've we talked about in the conversation, but I just want to get out kind of all my notes so you can kind of see the way that I uh, I broke this game down. I mentioned these are two teams that really had things go their way as of late, right? The 49ers needed Seattle to blow that final game, then the Saints lost to the Vikings, and then Seattle lost to Green Bay, which eliminated both of their toughest opponents, and the same for the Chiefs. They needed the Patriots to lose to Miami on that final weekend in order for them to to get a home game and a bye, and then the Patriots lose to the Titans, and the Ravens lose to the Titans. So, the two toughest teams you figure that ten, that KC would have had to beat were both gone. So it gave Kansas City home field, and it eliminated them. Andy Reid, off the bye. You hear the jingle uh, from the, those Pick 6 podcast guys. He's 18-3 and in the regular season and 5-2 and in the playoffs off the bye, and he is coming in off the bye here again. The Chiefs come back, uh, came back from double-digit deficits to win both of their playoff games. San Francisco is 11 San Francisco's 11-6 and 1 against the spread, 5 and 2 in their games against playoff teams. Kansas City is 12-5 and 1 against the spread, 5 and 3 against playoff teams. As far as the strength of schedules are concerned, these two teams were pretty even. 12th and 13th. San Francisco 12th, Kansas City 13th. You look at some of the numbers. Their passing offense based on DVOA, San Francisco was ranked 8th. KC was ranked second. They're passing defense based on DVOA. San Francisco is ranked second. Kansas City, very good also, ranked sixth. Their run offense in DVOA, both these teams were on the in the top half. And San Francisco is better than their numbers because a lot of the times they 
were just really up big. But they, when you look, dive into them and how they, how good they've run the ball in the playoffs, they're even better than than kind of the DVOA numbers. And then the the run defense DVOA. This is where Kansas City could get hurt. They were 29th. Just based on weighted DVOA, Kansas City would have been a minus a three point favorite in here. So they lean a little towards Kansas City. The 49ers pass defense, though, they are first in net yards per attempt allowed. And we know the Chiefs want to pass the ball. The Chiefs were 29th in yards per rush attempt and in rushing DVOA. That's not going to be good for a, a good running team like San Francisco, right? It's going to be battle of the third downs. Chiefs were the number one third down offense. 49ers were the number two third down defense. The really, really tough San Francisco defensive line, they're going to also have to to be ready for a battle because Kansas City's O-line, they were fourth in adjusted sack rate. But it's a little bit different because this San Francisco team can pressure the QB without having to blitz. Some of these numbers I got from uh, R.J. White, really good. Uh, One of those uh, on that Pick 6 podcast, you can follow him. Now we'll talk some pro football focus stats. The 49ers had the third best pass rush, the second highest team coverage. Their pass rush won 55.7% of pass rush assignments, which was second in the NFL. They were top 10 in total QB pressures. And probably the only reason why they weren't even more than that, because they blew out a lot of teams and um, they were just kind of coasting down the stretch. Their big four, Armstead, Bosa, Buckner, and Ford combined for 36 sacks and 71 knockdowns, which are sacks plus QB hits. And then you look at the the defense behind them with Richard Sherman. He was the number one ranked corner based on coverage. Williams was the number 14 corner based on coverage, and he gave up just 0.98 in yards per slot coverage snap, which was top 10 in the league, and he was fourth in passer rating against. The weakness for San Francisco is on the other side of the ball. Is it Witherspoon? Is it Mosley? Witherspoon struggled in the first playoff game. He was the one that got burned by Diggs. He's ranked 50th of 59 corners to play 300 snaps. He allowed 54.7% of 53 targets to be caught. He struggles in man coverage. He's had seven red zone targets. Five of them resulted in receptions, three touchdowns, and two first downs. He allows a free release in press man coverage, and... That is why he's sometimes gotten replaced by Mosley, who is the 34th ranked corner in coverage. He's better in cor- in coverage. He allows a lower passer rating, but he allows a higher completion rate. And he's another one who can kind of get caught up allowing a free release with easy access to the middle of the field. That's not necessarily good for a team who has multiple weapons like Hill, like Kelsey, and like some you know Hardman or even some of the backs uh, catching passes out of the backfield. Quarterbacks have only targeted Richard Sherman in 1 out of 10.6 snaps in coverage, which was the third lowest rate in the NFL. And the San Francisco rushing attack, they've been breaking records in the playoffs. 471 yards rushing in their two games, 290 yards after contact, 6 rushing touchdowns, 19 first downs. Kansas City, their defense is improved though. we got to remember this. They're not like an unbelievable defense. But they went from being one of the worst in the league to just being about average to slightly below average. Is that going to be enough to put up a fight against a tough 49ers run game? The first 10 games of the season, Kansas City allowed 148 yards uh, per game. 31st, they were 12 rushing touchdowns to 28. And now they've moved up to the last eight games where they were 
the 20th ranked overall in pro football focus, 16th in percent of snaps that resulted in no loss or gain, 23rd in average depth of tackle, 27th in yards before contact per rest. So again, we're not talking great, but it's still better than they were. They held Derrick Henry to 69 yards on 3.6 yards per carry. But remember, folks, this run defense for the 49ers is not the tech uh, is not the Titans run run game. This, this run offense for the 49ers, excuse me, is not the Titans run offense. The Titans are going to run right at you. This San Francisco team gets a lot more creative. They are unbelievable in pre-snap motion. They hit you at different angles. They change pace, and they have an excellent, excellent team of blockers up front. I'm really pumped for this game. And I'm going to stay away from picking a side because I've been dead wrong on the 49ers all year long. I would lean if I had to lean, I'd lean towards the Chiefs, but I'm not going to bet this because I I guess then my my gauge on the 40 they're better than I've thought all year long. They've continued to prove me wrong when I've tried to pick or play against them every time. Got to give a big shout out to uh, one of the listeners of the show, Buddy Stanware. He's a huge 49ers fan. He was telling uh, me all year long how good they were going to be. I know Stan gets to travel to a lot of their games. I believe he's at the Super Bowl too, so hope you have a a great time over there and good luck Stan. Let's talk about some of the props I'm going to lean towards. So again, MVP props are kind of fun. You can take a couple different swings there at big numbers. Go look go look at some of them, uh, depending on which side you like. I'm going to play a few different ones. The team to score first, I'm going to say San Francisco. This is minus 110. San Francisco scored first in 12 of their 18 games this year in both of their playoff games. They scored first in both games against Seattle, both games against Green Bay, and against Minnesota. So against the really good teams, they still scored first. Whereas the Chiefs, they got behind to Baltimore, New, New England, earlier in the season. They scored first in only 8 of 18 games, and they were the team that scored second in both of their playoff games. Remember, they got down big in both. So, team to score first, San Francisco minus 110. I'm going to say team to team scores first and wins, and I'm going to say no on that one, and that's plus 130. And remember, this doesn't mean I'm picking against San Francisco. It What it does, it gives you options, but the way I'm handicapping this game, it doesn't necessarily mean the team that scores first has to win with a high-powered offense like Kansas City. So, you know, just to piggyback those points we made on, the t- on how Frisco was more likely to score first, in all six of the games that Patrick Mahomes played against playoff teams, the... L- the losing team scored first in those games. I just don't think KC gets too worried about scoring first. Uh, players to score the first touchdown. There's a couple that I think are interesting. Kelsey, he's a uh, seven eight seven to one. But if, if you, why not for the first points at eight to one? Or Debo Samuel, who's twelve to one. Same thing. You can you can get him to player to score the first points at fifteen to one. And then Mahomes, 14-1 to or 18-1 to to score the first points. I can absolutely see Mahomes sneaking one in or a little bootleg to get into the end zone. The longest touchdown scored, over 44.5 yards. This one's even, minus 110. Between Watkins and Hardman, they've each had three plus 45-yard touchdowns. And then you, you throw in Debo Samuel, Tyreek Hill. You throw in that the 49ers could easily break a long run. Longest touchdown scored over 44.5. That one's at even money. The longest field goal made, I'm going to go under. It is 48.5, and it's minus 110. I don't even know if these two teams will try field goals over 45 yards. 
This year, Gold is only 1 for 5 over 48 yards. Butker is 4 for 7. So we're not even talking 45. They have to hit basically a 49 or 50-yard field goal or above to beat us. And I just think that these teams are the type of teams that get a little aggressive, that go for it. I know that if you're playing against Kansas City, you have to think, okay, let's be aggressive and continue to score because you never know how many points you need to beat them. So I'm going to play under the longest field goal made, 48 and a half yards. That's minus 110. A couple more plays for me. Will there be a defense or special teams TD? Yes, plus 190. The 49ers have five defensive touchdowns. KC also had a uh, kick return and three defensive touchdowns. Jimmy Garoppolo threw a pick six this year. So you get the kicks, the kick returners, and the defenses there. I like this. Plus 190, will there be a defense or special teams touchdown? Total receiving yards. I'd say over on Tyreek Hill, who's 74 and a half. I think of of the receivers, he's going to have an opportunity to to break one long. Even even against Sherman, Sherman's weakness is that he's not a speed demon and in, in, in just really, really fast. So I think you can beat him over the top. Uh, he's excellent when he's in front of you, and, and Hill might be able to outrun him a little bit. So if I was going to play over in one of the receiving props, it would be Tyreek Hill over 74.5. Total pass completions for Jimmy G is up to 21. I'm going to go under in here. This doesn't even really have anything to... to if, if Jimmy G completes more than 21 passes, I think it's probably not going to be great for San Francisco. They could win the game. He could complete much less. They could lose the game. He could complete much less. He's only completed 17 passes total in his first two playoff games. Now, I'm not un, on the side that I think Jimmy G is the guy that's going to lose them the game, but if San Francisco knows their strengths and they continue to run the ball and the run game is successful for them against the Kansas City run defense, that's just eh. Like, why are you going to throw the ball repeatedly? I just don't think they will. So I'm going to go under. It's minus 110, under the total pass completions for Jimmy G at 21. And then the fun one. You heard us talk about this uh, with Scott Shapiro. Which Jennifer Lopez song will be sung first during halftime? Now it's going to be J-Lo and it's going to be Shakira on there. So it might be whatever, whenever for Shakira first. But this is which J-Lo song will be sung first. And I'm going waiting for tonight, right? I think you, you save some of the other big ones for the end. Waiting for tonight just feels like the song that should be her first one. Wait, she's been waiting for tonight. The only one thing that could scare me, maybe Jenny from the block. But let's go J-Lo and waiting for tonight. Whoa! One of the sponsors of That's What G Said podcast is Cindy Carava, full-service realtor. And I am here over in Glendora at Coldwell Banker with Cindy Carava. Cindy, how was 2019 for you? Tell us uh, a little bit about what, uh, what kind of stuff you were working on. Hi, Gino. Thanks for having me. Uh, 2019 was just really great. Uh, I had a great year uh, selling homes all the way from Altadena, Arcadia, Monrovia, out to Upland and Ontario just recently. Um, The market has has been uh, really good. Um, We're looking forward to 2020 with an increase in home prices about 5.8% this year, opposed to last year where it was a little softer. We saw uh, more like homes averaging about 3.5% in increase in value. Um, It's also looking great for buyers. Uh, The interest rates right now are gonna be staying under 4%. So if you've been on the fence about thinking about buying a home, now is the time to do so with interest rates still staying low. And you offer more services than just the buying, selling, and leasing homes. Tell us about some of the other services that you offer and what a full service realtor really is. 
So you're right, Gino, besides me being uh, a full service realtor of uh, finding properties for my clients to buy or selling their homes or finding rentals for them, um, I also have a plethora of resources like uh, handyman, contractors, electricians, plumbers. Uh, I even, if, like I said, if you're thinking about getting a home loan, I actually work with two great lenders that I can recommend to anybody. And you're all over the internet, social media, websites. Let us know some of the places where we can find you. I know I've seen some reviews on Yelp and on Zillow. They, everyone always has positive things to say. Everybody hears me raving about you all the time. But where can uh, everyone else find out information about you or contact? Thank you, Gino. Yeah, I am on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, and uh, you can contact me on my website, which is www.cindycarava.com or my email, which is cindyc.realtor at gmail.com, or feel free to call or text me on my cell phone, which is 626-394-6400. Cindy is awesome. She's one of the kindest and most genuine people I've ever met. I promise you, you will enjoy every minute you interact with her. So thank you very much, Cindy. Uh, Appreciate all of your support from That's What She Said podcast. Thank you, Gino. Have a great day, everyone. Okay, let's get into the Saturday horse racing. It's a fun weekend. We're going to just kind of quickly go through some of the stakes races. We'll bounce around the country, and then we're going to dive into the Sam Houston card in a little bit. We'll give you some early and some late uh, thoughts on this, the Sam Houston pick fours. Over at Aqueduct, got some Kentucky Derby points on the line in the grade three withers, and a couple of the uh, major contenders in here. Uh, Monday morning QB was a, a nice little stakes winner over at Laurel last time out. Max Player broke his maiden in, in the slop over at Parks. Shotsky likely going to take the, the bulk of the action in here. The grade two Remsen winner who wired a field at Aqueduct going a mile and an eighth back in December. And then Portos will take a, a bulk of action too towards the outside. And that's the horse that I like. Portos. To me, this is a horse who is just kind of gradually improved and he really put it all together last time out in the slop. And if you look at his running style too, I think he can go all day. Uh, he, he won going a mile and an eighth last out. And if you, you notice, he faced Enforceable in his career debut. That's the LeCompte winner, Enforceable. And Enforceable was making his fourth career start. He hooked a nice horse named Sprawl after that. And, and he just really crushed a feel that he was better than last time out. What I like is He's actually shown a little bit of speed, but when I say speed, he's not fast. He can kind of position himself in a, in a good spot, and with the outside draw, I really like that because I think it gives him some options. He doesn't have to take all the way back. If they're going kind of slow, he can sit a little closer. Um, the inside, too, will probably be flashing a little bit of speed, and then Shotsky will probably be up close, too, but I don't think Shotsky is a real, a real speed demon either. So, Portos sits the trip. From the outside, that's going to be our selection. We'll make a win wager if we can get like 5-2 to two or over on Portos in that 8th race, which is the Withers over at Aqueduct. Really nice card at Gulfstream Park. Get your past performances out for Gulfstream for Saturday, February the 1st. And let's go to race number 6, which is the forward gal. This is a really, really nice filly in here who is 3-for-3. Three three, tonalist shape who is 1-2 on the morning line. And I really have no knocks against her. But there's a horse that i kind of been following for a little while that I, I, I would be willing to take a stab and, uh, and make a wager on if we can get 7-2. to two. And that's the number 4, Street of Dreams, who broke really well in her most recent start. She showed speed down on the inside, but she was kind of a... 
she was in that inside spot. You know where it's not easy, where there's a horse in the outside in the two path, and you're kind of on the inside a little bit behind. And they're kind of putting you into the rail a little bit. This is not an easy spot to be in, especially for a young two-year-old filly who was only making her second career start and who was stretching out for the first time. But she looked like a pro. Down in there, she handled it really, really well She was able to move through and kick away And it was a pretty easy win in the end And, and she defeated a next out winner Who's going to be entered in the Martha Washington At Oakland, O'Serafina So if we can get 7-2, to two, let's make a win wager On Street of Dreams Totally respect tonalist shape though in here So if Street of Dreams gets bet down more than that We wouldn't want to take a shot Unless we can get at least that square 3.5-1 to one Price Over at Gulfstream in the 7th I'm going to treat the number 4 Awakened Kind of like a first time starter Because He got squeezed back at the start Completely missed the break He just had no shot After that kind of a trip This is a born Shug McGahee Who's much better with horses who have made a start or two Edgar Prado is actually riding really really well At the meeting I just think this horse is, is wor- worth giving another shot to In here I don't think he'll be 12-1 to 1. He, to me, he looks more like a 6-8 to 1 shot So if he's anything over that We'll take a big long play If he's like 5 to 1 or under, eh, we'll just watch But I do think there's a lot more Than we've seen from Awaken Palm Springs is going to take a ton of money in here So maybe you want to hook the two of them up In some exotics, that's fine I, Again, I don't really have any knocks On Palm Springs, but at that short price I'd much rather look in a different direction And let's go with the 4 Awaken there In race number 7 at Gulfstream Park How about in race number 8 at Gulfstream Park This is the sweetest chant going a mile On the turf course Give a look to the 9 So if you're playing any kind of late exotics Throw the 9 in there Ivietsu, they tried to get this one on turf Two starts back And she actually just worked over the green I'm very excited to see What she can show on the turf Give a look to the 9 Ivietsu Let's go to race number 9 Which is the Swale Three-year-olds in here This is a good race The one mischievous Alex is a, a stakes winner Most recently crushed a field over at Parks The two untitled was a huge debut winner And now transferred into the barn of Mark Cassie The four green light grow that's Green light go That's a grade two winner Who was second in the grade one champagne How about the five Shiva Ree Is a multiple stakes winner Right here at Gulfstream Park But I'm not going to go any of them I'm going to go with the six Necker Island I just really like the company he's been facing in all three of his starts, he's hooked some good ones I mean, he hooked a horse named 3 Technique Who just came back from second in the Smarty Jones He hooked Lynn's Map, who was also in that race And has come back to win and run really well He beat a horse named Silver State Who came back to run second in the Lecompte I think Necker Island, if we can get, you know, 7-2 to two, To me, that's the price on him that I would uh, kind of make my, my limit I wouldn't want to go any lower than that But let's make sure to use Necker Island in all the exotics And make a win wager on him If we can get that 7-2 to two or so In race number 10 The Danya Beach Another horse just to kind of maybe throw into some of your exotics And that's the 9 Famished Whose lone turf try Was a good one behind Structor And then he hooked a, a really highly regarded horse named Independence Hall Last out So I like the company he's been keeping and I think he's worth taking another look on the grass. Give a look to the nine. Famish there. Throw him in your exotics in race number 10 at Gulfstream Park. And then to close things out, it's the Holy Bull. And Tizzalaw's three to five. I actually think Tizzalaw's very talented. He's a grade one winner. And he was a little bit unlucky in his last start. He's kind of bumped around a little bit. He had opportunity late, but I, I don't want to really hold his last start against him too much. 
I'm just not quite sure if he's going to be cranked and ready for his best effort here when... I mean, I don't think he needs to be. I think he's he's a horse who may have bigger fish to fry down the line. To me, the horse to play in here is Toledo uh, from the inside. Toledo got in some trouble last time out. He had a really good start. He was close up, but then he took back to fifth and sixth. He was in the second flight. He was two, three off. He was in between horses, and then he got shuffled. He had to make a big, wide move. He moved up to challenge, but he could really never go by the speedy winner at Indian, who's also in here. I think it's a much better spot. For Toledo, sit on the inside, save all the ground, come running. This horse ran in some spots and really showed that he has some ability. Let's go with the number one Toledo in race number 11 at Gulfstream Park. Get on over to Santa Anita. We're only going to talk about the Bob Lewis in here. And Baffert has a couple very logical contenders. They were the horses who ran first and third in the Low South Futurity back on December the 7th. 1,000 words might be really good. High velocity might be okay. I, I just think that Tis a Magician is, is kind of an interesting horse in this spot. 1,000 uh, words was pressing in the two-path just off he uh, just off his stable mate. He battled back after he was headed uh, by a new door, and a new Diora, and I, it was okay. I mean, it, it, to me, it just seemed okay. I think Tis a Magician, he kind of reminds me of Omaha Beach, who took five starts to break his maiden. Tis a Magician took six starts to break his maiden. He wasn't really running poorly. He had trouble in, in one of those starts, and every other start, he really did show up. He just, he, it took a while for him to figure it out. Not every horse can just automatically understand what they're supposed to do. I like what I'm seeing from Tis Magician as he's progressed. He broke really well right with the leaders, then he sat just off, he moved to the lead, he put away the speed, and then he held off a big challenge, and then he kicked on clear. It just seemed like he finally put it all together. I think this horse is really trending in the right direction. So let's give a top billing in the number in the sixth race at Santa Anita, which is the Bob Lewis. We'll give the selection to Tis a Magician at five to two. We would make a win wager on Tis a Magician. Over at Oaklawn Park. A couple stakes that we'll hit on. First, it's the the Martha Washington. This race I probably won't play. Uh, and if I do, it might be just like a straight exacta if the one O Serafina is a decent price. Because I just I think Taraz is a really nice one. And she's been a monster in her two starts so far. The horse that she beat, Ursula, came back and was a really solid second in the silver bullet day. And she just crushed Ursula. In that December 21st race The one O Serafina I mean she was behind the horse that we like Street to Dr- Street of Dreams uh, The horse is running a golf stream She hooked a nice horse named Byerness in her debut I don't have any knocks on her She's improved with more distance And then Princess Cena Julia Who's won three in a row including a stake She she could get a great trip Because if Taraz gets pushed at all on the front end Then maybe it sets up nicely for Princess Cena Julia and the wild card is the horse who's coming into the Brad Cox barn for the first time. Uh, she dares the devil who last raced in October behind the real speedy Lucothia out over at Santa Anita. So, I mean, I'd have this race like 3-1-5. So I'm not going to play because it's very formful and chalky. The only way I might play it is like a 3-1 hammer home exacta there if O Serafina is, you know, if she if she is the fourth choice in the field, then, then that's probably the approach for me in, a, in Oakland 6th. And then over at Oaklawn Park in race number eight, it's the American Beauty. The three Amy Challenge is going to take some money. She's adding the blinkers. She's coming off the bench, and she has not raced since May. 
I just think this might be the time to try to beat her. She's very good. She's very sharp at Oaklawn. Uh, she likes this trip. Quality, quality mare. But Irish Mischief doesn't have to deal with as long of a layoff. She really took a couple big steps forward towards the end of 2019. I'm a big fan of when she can sit just off. I, I like that she cuts back a little bit. And going six, I think she will not be as quick as some of the others in here. She might be just sitting off the pace. She'll have a little more bottom on the cutback. And with that outside draw, it just give her, gives her options, right? If nobody really goes, let's say Amy's challenge doesn't break alertly, then Irish Mischief can go. If not, if there's a couple others that show a little speed, she'll be fine sitting just off the pace. That's the number eight Irish Mischief. I'd probably use her as like a single in some of your late exotics. Horse racing fans and bettors of all kinds, we are very excited to be covering the races from Sam Houston Race Park here on That's What G Said on each and every episode. They're broadcasting in HD, they have bigger purses, turf racing over there, but for me, the key is that 12% low takeout on their multi-leg wagers. Doubles, pick threes, pick fours, pick fives. They are building a great program over there. It truly is major league racing. We have to give a big applause to the TTA, the Texas Thoroughbred Association. They've added new incentives and bonus programs for buying and selling horses so it's better for the customers and it's better for the horsemen in Texas. Their social media presence has been bumped up. You can follow them at SHRP Racing on Twitter and you're going to find morning training videos the Monday Minute jockey interviews or if you're not on Twitter you can find all the information at SHRP.com They're just working so hard to treat their horsemen and women and the betters right so let's give them a little bit of our focus a couple big days coming up February the 22nd is Texas Preview Day, and the big day, March the 21st, that is Texas Champions Day. We'll be covering all of that action here on That's What G Said with all sorts of different interviews focusing in on Sam Houston. Make sure when you go to play the races, give Sam Houston a look with that ultra-low 12% takeout in the multi-leg wagers. Okay, time for our uh, Sam... Houston study here on uh, That's What G Said. Let's talk a little Sam Houston Saturday. Get your past performances out for Saturday, February the 1st. And in race number, we're going to go to race number two to start our our coverage there at Sam Houston because that's the beginning of the early pick four sequence. In this race, it's a maiden $25,000 claimer. I do think Winter Wolf is going to be tough in here. He's going to go third start off the layoff. He's going to cut the long layoff. He's going to cut back for Parker and Asmussen, and he's taking a big, big drop in class. You never like to see a $475,000 purchase in for twenty five, but things don't always go to plan. And Winter Wolf who has a little bit of kind of tactical speed, should just be so much fitter today going five and a half furlongs and have a little bit more late punch and really should be set for his best. The uh, The other two to take a look at, Mule Skinner might be able to get out front. So Mule Skinner has an opportunity to win this race coming into a new barn because he might be the speed of the speed in here. He's dropping in from Open Maiden Specials to 25,000. And then Jaeger on the Rocks, who's a first-time gelding, comes in from Golden Gate. Jaeger on the Rocks has kind of a pressing style. He might be able to just kind of sit in between. If it's Mule Skinner up front, Jaeger on the Rocks, and then Winter Wolf coming, I think they would each have an opportunity to get a win based on the way the race shapes up. So I'll, I'll use three. I have three, five, four. We'll use three, four, five. Um, it's kind of the way I, I see this race unfolding in race. So those will be the, the horses we use in the first leg of the pick four sequence there in race number two. So then in race number three, 
which is a Texas bred allowance for Phillies and Mares. They're going to go a mile on the turf course. I like the two in here, Awesome Sunset. We'll take a little swing against Herb's Love in here, mainly because I don't really have any knocks on Herb's Love and what he's been doing re- or what she's been doing recently. I'm just not a fan of horses that get claimed off of the Broberg barn. That's a really good barn that moves horses up quite a bit. It's just not easy to move them up off of a really good conditioner like that. So I'm going to give a look to uh, two horses in here. The one and the two I'll use in the pick four. We'll take a little swing against Herb's Love. The two awesome sunset. Just really put a line through that last effort. It was forwardly placed, was going slow, but then was in between horses into the turn, pressed from the two path, and then just backed up. Now, back in with Texas Reds today. Going to go second start off the bench, and then second time for these new connections who are trying to figure her out. Awesome sunset should be set for a big one with Parker jumping aboard. And then the one, uh, I do think Glitter Bright, if you just continue, can put a line through that last effort back on September the 11th and excuse that, was behind next out uh, winner Soaring Now, who won over at Louisiana Downs, an optional claiming 10. And Glitter Bright had some trouble that day. This is a very, very sharp horse on the grass. And uh, had a nice 2019, really... Didn't, didn't have any races where she just completely didn't show up Except the race that was taken off the grass Other than that And, and then, and then the, the troubled one that we mentioned Just love a, a mare like this Who can show up each and every time So let's go 1-2 We we'll use the 1-2 in our pick 4 In race number 3 There at Sam Houston Moving on to race number 4 25 non-two claimers in here The one Vestal deservedly should take a lot of money On the class drop for Asmussen and Parker Total connections play And her best effort seemed to be coming long On the main track over at Indy So this should be a good spot for her But I think my Aunt Mims has an opportunity To win this race too I love the improvement that this one showed On the drop and when stretching out This is a great spot for my Aunt Mims To try to get in front and steal this race I think she might be the quickest in here And that's the way you can beat Vestal Who just doesn't have as much early natural speed Let's put the 4 my Aunt Mims On top of the 1 Vestal And then in race number 5 Which is the closeout leg Of that early pick 4 that starts in race 2 So it's 2, 3, 4, 5 This race I think you can spread out a little bit the way that I see the race approaching As far as like the pace is concerned I think there are two really really fast Horses in here And that's Butter Hot And that's the outside Bold Capo So in a situation like this Where I find two speed horses I have a tough time Not using both of them in the exotics Because if there are three or four speed horses I'm fine with chucking all of them out If there's only one speed horse Generally I'm going to probably use that horse in some of the exotics If they have a chance to go gate to wire When there's two I hate picking one of the two Because it always seems like the one that you don't pick Breaks poor Or the one that you don't pick Is the one that just gets a little quicker The, The one you do pick breaks slowly And then that one's long gone So when there's multiple speeds Or when there's just two speeds I generally will include them both Especially if they're giving you okay value So the four horses that we're going to use in here uh, the one exciting, absolutely a, a major contender, put a line through the dirt race last time out. The only reason why I'm not like singling exciting in here, the rail is what concerns me. With a horse like this who has a little bit of speed, he might be shuffled back from the inside. That's a concern of mine because there are a couple really, really quick ones in here. His style would be perfect if he was just drawn more towards the outside. I just don't think he's going to be a short enough price to play against, so we'll include him in our exotics. I will give the eight. Top billing in here, uh, Tale of a Storm Who The the two back race on the October 17th At Remington is the race that I really liked 
That showed me that this is a horse who does not need to be on the lead. He can pass horses. He can come from way out of it if need be. And I don't think he's going to be as quick as a few of the others in here, which might be a blessing in disguise for him. Don't go send hard. Try to sit a little bit and and, and just do what you did on October the 17th when you were able to, to take back and then come flying late. So 8 one, nine, twelve, is how I'm approaching the uh, the fifth race there at Sam Houston. Eight one nine twelve. So just to repeat that pick four for you one more time. Starts in race number two. And go three, four, five, with one two, with one four, with one eight nine twelve. And remember, these are the 12% low takeout pick four. So we'll skip race number six. No real strong opinion in there. And we'll just go to race number seven, which will start the late pick four. And we'll, we'll do the same thing. Let's go through how we approach the late pick four sequence. The seventh race is a maiden. They're going five furlongs on the turf course. I'm going to start with a nine. Majestic Queen. This is the second time starter for Steve Asmussen who debuted on the dirt and she has really good speed. She's the one to catch. She she has some excuses for that, that debut effort too, right? She drew the rail, so she maybe forced a little bit from the inside and they had to deal with the slop in the debut. Now you get to go inside, outside. You're drawn to the outside which just is so much nicer than, than getting stuck down inside and being forced to go. And to me, on paper, it really does look like a race where the two Asmussen horses are going to be tough. I think I would prefer Majestic Queen because I think she has the opportunity to get out in front of Fiance, who's been good in her two starts on the grass. I really have no knocks on Fiance. I wouldn't be trying to chuck her out of the ticket or really trying to beat her, but I prefer the better price of Majestic Queen. I do think Jersey Cut is very interesting, and that's the number two who does draw the rail. That's the concern for Jersey Cut is the rail draw, but what I like is that you have a price built in at 15 to 1. We're not talking about a, you know, a 5 to 2 shot who draws the rail and could get shuffled back. We're talking about a big price and so, yeah, sometimes things might not go right, but that that's why the big price is built in and I'm fine with that. She has been pretty consistent in her four starts. I think you can make an excuse for that June race because that's the race that sent her to the bench from June to January. So, let's give Jersey Cut down on the inside a look. You know, came back to the races was second in a nice little prep race. Now we'll take a shot on the turf. 9-3-2 in race number 7 Race 8 at Sam Houston We'll be using 2 in here And we'll leave out the Asmussen Nocturnal Mission in this one I do like Erebuni best Erebuni, she's she's searching for where she belongs Remember, uh, Diodoro brought her in from Southern California And she came into this barn and then debuted at Sam Houston on January the, the 10th she was three deep pressing. She won the battle of the speeds late, but she just got a little bit a little bit tired because she was battling it out throughout. That was going six and a half furlongs. Now you get the full furlong cutback to five and a half furlongs. This is a great spot. Gets a little class drop from the twenty-five non-threes to the ten thousand non-threes. Is Diodoro just looking for where she fits? He's getting aggressive out here at Sam Houston, and I think she's going to be really really tough on paper. It's a three-horse race between the two, the four, and the five. I'll use the two on top of the four. Thule, I think if you just toss the turf race 
three starts back, uh, the form looks even better. It's really hard to to build a case against Tuli not being in the exotics in here. She has that speed, but she has the ability to kind of sit off if need be. So we'll be using the two and the four. We'll make the two Arabuni our top selection. In race number nine, let's go to the five, Airline Drive. She started three times so far. In her career debut, she was behind a horse named Miss Yachty, who won that race by 17-plus lengths. And then Miss Yachty came out of that race and finished second against Stakes Company next out. So that's a nice Miss Yachty. In career start number two, behind uh, a winner who wins by eight-plus lengths. And Airline Drive was fine, was a good second in both of those. Then went to the bench for a little while, came back on January the 18th, making her first start since September. And she was outrun a little bit at the start. She had to come from way out of it. But she ends up winning a three-horse photo late for fourth and showing some late interest. I think the stretch out to a mile will really, really help this one. You're going to go second off the bench. You're going to stretch out. I think she's going to be ready to take a nice step forward in here. That's the number five, Airline Drive. We will also use the one Boo Woo Baby. I mean, Boo Woo Baby was debuted in a maiden special weight at Keeneland. Yeah, she wasn't bet, and yeah, she missed the break, but that kind of just shows you that the connections always thought that this was a, a decent filly. And then she changed barns, she drew the rail in a small field, and she was crushed by a horse that we mentioned a little bit earlier, my Aunt Mims, who took a field gate to wire. That was in the mud. I think Boo Woo Baby, you get a class drop again, you get the rail today. Let's give this one a, a big opportunity to get in the mix. And then the six horse. Onita won This might be the speed of the race Right? On the stretch out Stretching out from sprints I think she's the one to catch So let's go 5, 1, 6 And we'll use those three, one, five, and 6 In the pick 4 sequence We'll take a, a little swing against Shake It Up Tracy and Fight On Pen I, You know, they're logical They could make sense in here I wouldn't be shocked if Airline Drive ends up getting more money Though And um, we'll use 5, 1, and 6 here in race number 9 at Sam Houston In race 10 at Sam Houston I think this is a fun Kind of spread out race You might be able to find a price or two I would be surprised if no Moss Tequila holds up At the price of uh, 8 to 1 and Because that's where we're going to start What's nice about Playing a filly like this Is her form is a little muddied Right? It, it's better than it looks at first glance And a lot of people don't want to dive into things They want to just Look first glance and that's it Well in her career debut She was behind G She Sparkles Next out stakes winner Who absolutely crushed that field That was back in June of 2015 She comes back on June uh, She comes back January 2018 Right here at this Sam Houston meet And then she completely misses the break She's She dwelt She actually makes a nice middle move and shows some ability, comes into contention, ran in spots. She just missed fourth. If you see that she finished fourth, you would have thought it was a lot better than sixth, and it was really tight late. She could have finished fourth. I like no Moss Tequila in here. If you can get four to one, let's make a win wager on this one in what I, I think looks like a wide open race on paper because I think you can use, you know, make a case for five or six in here. So the nine will be the top selection, no Moss Tequila. The five, impressive reward. Who was your beaten favorite last time out? I think you get off the rail a little bit, and now you're going to cut back, and you should be maybe coming from a little bit farther back, but shouldn't be getting tired late in here. So impressive reward will be tough. The number 10, tell me you love me. 
who just missed by a neck last time out, making her first start since August. I think she's one to, to include in the exotics. As a price, let's include the number seven, Hottie Dottie. Um, Hottie Dottie is coming into a new barn. She was only raced twice. She drew down on the inside in both of them. She actually got action in both of those, and she had trouble, just inside trouble trips. Let's give her a shot now, moving towards the outside in just a really, really wide-open race, coming into a new barn that's very good with first-time acquisitions. And then the three will round out the horses we include in our exotics here, and that is Home Early Shirley who just hasn't done a whole lot wrong in her two. She was your beaten favorite in career start number two, but she wasn't bad, and she has a nice kind of tactical style. She should be right in the mix, so we'll have this race pegged 9, 5, 10, 7, 3. That means the uh, late pick four, which starts in race number seven, will go 2, 3, 9, with 2, 4, with 1, 5, 6, with 3, 5, 7, 9, and 10. So if you have an early pick four, you have a late pick four, here are the key horses throughout the, uh, the card for me. Race number three, let's go to the number two, Awesome Sunset. Race number four, let's go to the number four, My Aunt Mims. Race number seven, the number nine, Majestic Queen. Race eight, the number two, Erebuni. Race nine, the number five, Airline Drive. And race ten, the number nine, No Moss Tequila. We will be covering Sam Houston Racing on each and every episode of That's What G Said Podcast. I mean, if if we're betting, and if we're betting a lot, wouldn't you want to Make wagers where you're going to get more of your money back That's what we're doing at Sam Houston Instead of 15, 18, 20, 25% takeout We're going to get 12% takeout on all of these multi-leg wagers And that's what I love to play I love to play the the pick threes, pick fours, pick fives And now I don't mind playing pick threes and doubles because it's 12% I started to shy away from doubles and pick threes because of the takeout And and kind of gravitate towards the low takeout pick fives Same things with pick fours I didn't want to play them as much because it was 20-25% takeout at a lot of tracks It's not at all the case You get so much money back Even if it's formful, even if it's chalky on some days Let's give a look to Sam Houston. We'll close out this episode of That's What G Said. Reading through some of your tweets and messages, I asked for some of your best bets of the weekend. Mark Rossini said, uh, you're going to be playing the uh, under. Good to hear from Mark. I'm imagining that's in the uh, the big Super Bowl game where Mark will be uh, probably playing the under. Thomas Lee Walters Jr. gave us a couple plays. Um, let's see. He let's see, trying to get through. Uh, Syracuse has been a uh, Syracuse money line over Duke weekend play. Syracuse needs a big win to make the resume look good for the tourney. They have Duke at FSU and it as Louisville as far as big games left. This one looks like uh, the most likely to win for them. The best win they have is at Virginia, which isn't looking that great anymore as Virginia's losing. Uh, Syracuse has been playing well lately, so good luck, Thomas. How about? Mike Gagliano, Kansas City Chiefs minus one and a half and the under. Good luck, Mike. One of our prior guests here on That's What G Said. We interviewed Mike a few weeks back. Tom Pogue likes the yes plus 130. Will there be a score in the first five minutes of the Super Bowl game? So a prop that Tom's going to be betting. Good luck, Tom. Ryan Dickey says Tonal Shape will win the forward gal at Gulfstream Park on Saturday, three for three in her career. Sabie Joseph, Irad Ortiz Jr., the only other filly in the field, uh, only one other filly in the field has beaten winners, and she's one to two on the morning line, solid of a single as there ever was. Stephen Fitzgerald Kunith says the Kings to win on Saturday. Joey Q, Joey, Joey Killen 
He gave us a couple of winners already. So Joe Q gave us a winner two weeks ago, and then he posted one earlier, and that game is already gone. So he's got a couple winners. Joey Q, you keep it up. You're going to be coming on and talking with us here next week if you can give us one more winner. Louis Giordano said Kelsey will score a touchdown, plus 120. Take it to the bank. Michael Vasaluzzo says under 55 in, uh, under 54 and a half in the bowl. Gabe Vartanian says, I like Tyreek Hill not to score a touchdown at minus 120. He may have he may have scored two touchdowns last week, but prior to that, it was only five for the whole season, plus his playing style usually depends on the big play. Doesn't hurt he'll be going against one of the best defenses in the league and will be blanketed all game. Kansas City likely only scores three touchdowns in this game. I don't think Hill gets one of them. That was from Gabe. Great to hear from Gabe. So a big thank you to everyone out there. Keep an eye on uh, each and every week when we post and we ask for your best bets because... We're going to read through all of them. And if you can give us winners on three consecutive shows, you get to come on for a segment with me. We'll give out your plays for the next weekend. We'll introduce you. with we'll say hello. So if you want to come on, if you ever wanted to guest host a segment or be on a, a sports talk show or podcast, here's your opportunity. Look for the posts and post your plays each and every week. That's going to do it for me here. On That's What G Said Podcast, if you can, give us a nice five-star rating and review over on iTunes. Make sure to subscribe over on YouTube, SoundCloud, uh, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, anywhere you get your podcast. Put that subscribe button and give us a nice five-star rating for That's What G Said. Joey Cleveland, my friend, finish this off.